So it's always helpful to be able to point to example projects where the themes that you have spoken about, Emma, really start to show in practice. Can you provide us with a few different project examples of where you're seeing the themes within 4.1 work within buildings? Happy to, to talk through a couple examples that I have top of mind. Um, so I support development of the LEED Zero certification program, and through that program I've connected with a couple of really outstanding projects that I would say are definitely leading the way in terms of what's possible and, and where we want all buildings to go in terms of performance outcomes and a relentless focus on efficiency. So. Two projects that I think come to mind immediately are actually two LEED Zero Energy projects that have basically used, used LEED and, and other resources as a framework for thinking about how they design and operate at a really high level of performance. The first project that I'm thinking of is actually Integrity Headquarters in Little Rock, Arkansas. So this is a energy services, sustainability, and solar development company. Um, that was the first project in the United States to achieve LEED Zero Energy. They had previously achieved LEED Platinum, um, LEED New Construction Platinum for a retrofit of, and uh, the original building was actually on the National Register of Historic Places. So they definitely had their work cut out for them in terms of retrofitting and delivering a really high-performing project that ultimately achieved net zero during operations. Um, and when I talk about an example of a project leading the way, that one of the partners and founders of Integrity, Chris Ladner, I think he likes to talk about if we can achieve a net zero building in Little Rock, Arkansas, even with, you know, they had during their performance period the coldest January in 30 years, um, then you can do it anyway. So he, I think, this project is leading the way in that they are walking, sort of walking the talk and able to show their clients that they're working with, you know, here's how we are implementing these efficiency best practices in, uh, in our sort of office headquarters. And they also, they talk a lot about the importance of engaging all stakeholders in successfully delivering a net zero energy project. And this team was very focused, not just on you know, ensuring that everyone at the office is under, uh, understood the, the net zero performance target and the goals they were stri striving for, which can impact, of course, occupant behavior and choices about energy consumption, um, but they were also relentlessly sort of focused on monitoring consumption during the performance period. And that actually enabled them to take corrective actions when needed. For example, when in their lighting software, there was an automatic reset that resulted in spiked energy demand for lighting. They were able to quickly recognize that and take corrective action because they were paying close attention to their energy consumption over the 12-month period. So I think Integrity is an inspirational example for, for teams in that it was a retrofit project that had a lot of sort of team buy-in and there was that shared sense of the goal, of the goal that they were striving for um, with a keen, of course, focus on monitoring energy consumption. And 
trying to make that transition from building design and construction to operations a really seamless and successful one. The other example that I just wanted to touch on really quickly as a project leading the way is another Lead Zero Energy project uh, that, that certified, I believe it was last year, uh, the Discovery Elementary School in Arlington, Virginia. This is an incredible zero energy school because it really serves as a living lab for its students and sustainability curricula or sustainability and the super efficient building systems and the um, you know on-site solar all of that is integrated into the school's curriculum. Um, they have a learning dashboard. I understand it's interactive and it's a visual display for all of their students of how the building is consuming resources at any given time. So they have put their priorities of a super high efficient building that saves resources, um, saves money for the, the broader school district. They have brought these goals front and center for their students and made sure that um, they are imparting sort of at a young age the importance of these sustainability values um, and what's possible. I think this is a really high-performing project. I understand that it might even operate at net positive energy. Um, and then sort of lessons, there's a wealth of information about this project online. All you have to do is Google Discovery Elementary. And I think there's information from the school, from the DOE, from the architects that worked on the project. And it really shows what is possible when you have an integrated and, and a coordinated project team working together toward a common goal and, and what's really possible for, for, for building types like this. So um, again, encourage anyone interested in learning more just to look up the wealth of resources that are available on that project and consider how those might apply to the projects that you're working on. Both of those projects are really great, innovative examples and provide a lot of inspiration on the actions that you've spoken about, Emma, you know, the practices that were employed to ensure that those buildings are now operating, in fact, in the way that they were designed to operate at a very high level. So let's talk about actions and specifically what professionals can do to help advance and support the future of LEAD. So Emma, can you provide us with some strategies that green building professionals can do today within their own practice and professional sphere? At a high level, I think the one or a critical takeaway, and we've integrated a credit for this in our version four rating system, um, and I've, I've harped on this I think a couple times, is the importance of leveraging an integrative process when you are, you know, putting a project plan together or putting a, a, um, a project design together or trying to figure out how you can help your, your company, your organization um, improve the sort of triple bottom line outcomes. I think the importance of an integrative process cannot be overstated. This is where you're bringing together sort of key stakeholders early on in the, the project plan, project design, to set goals, explore synergies between different building systems, between different um, building practices and areas of expertise, and, and trying to figure out how to combine those in the most sort of synergistic, efficient way possible. So I think 
first, basically making sure all stakeholders are on board and ensuring that everybody has a common understanding of goals for a specific project or, or a building. I think that, again, is something we'll, we'll always emphasize. It's critical to delivering not just success, a successful lead project, but, um, but any project where you're looking to really maximize impact. Having that clear, explicit statement of goals and the owner's project requirements up front um, really gives everyone a reference point to check back to as the, as the project progresses. So that, I think, is the first high-level recommendation. Um, and then the business case for sustainability is the other piece, I think, that's really important for building professionals when they're trying to make the case perhaps to new clients or to their you know, supervisors as to you know, why this is important. I think this has been lacking, but we are increasingly seeing more studies, more research on the return on investment for some of these um, sustainability best practices and specifically related to LEED certification. Um, the U.S. General Service Administration, I think, released a report last year that looked at their portfolio of buildings and compared their sort of traditional building stock to their high-performing building stock the majority of which is, is built to LEED specifications or LEED certified, and they um, published a report about the uh, water energy savings um, and I think occupant satisfaction in some of the higher performing buildings, and quantitatively you can see that there is, um, there is that return on investment and that these strategies over the life cycle of a building save costs for owners and can you know, increase tenant retainment or, um, or, and or occupant satisfaction in the long run. So I know the other thing that we're always asked when we're talking about lead in the market is, you know, what's the return on the investment? How can I bring some of, um, some of this data or case studies from other projects forward to help build the case for the projects that I'm working on? Um, so I just wanted to flag, I, I know that building that business case for sustainability is really important in conjunction with leveraging that integrative design process. More specific, looking at energy, energy requirements in the, in the lead rating system, of course, prioritizing efficiency and then thinking critically about how and where to invest in renewables. On-site, of course, is always preferable from a additionality perspective for renewable energy, but then when you're looking at offsite, there's a range of different options um, available to teams. So trying, trying as much as possible to think critically about renewable energy investments, I think is another key piece here. And our version 4.1 renewable energy credit starts to put some parameters around what we see as potentially higher impact investments in renewables. So we've got integrative, integrative process, um, building the business case for sustainability, being deliberate about efficiency and renewable energy investments, and then I guess the last thing, or the last couple things would be commissioning building systems is always a, a really important piece of ensuring that buildings are operating as designed and that the systems were installed properly so that we can have efficient outcomes throughout the life of the building. Um, and then back to what I was talking about with the Integrity Headquarters project, I think 
paying attention to energy consumption data, it seems so simple, but it really is overlooked. So installing meters, installing those sub-meters is always the foundational first step that we would want new construction and existing building, buildings to, to, to take. The technology for metering is becoming more and more sophisticated, and we're seeing you know, smartphone apps that give users more control and ability to address things like their temperature or lighting, adjust energy usage in real time, as well as identify further savings opportunities. So tracking the energy consumption data over time also, you know, the importance of that cannot be overstated, because that's where you start to have quantitative data and, and metrics that enable you to make more informed decisions related to building, building operations and, and occupancy. So that's sort of a, a grab bag, I would say, of actions that green building professionals can take. At USGBC, of course, we're always trying to convene green building uh, professionals. And um, Jamie, I know your team with education is doing a lot to sort of highlight the successes of project teams and publish case studies and um, share best practices via our education at USGBC platform. So I would just wanted to, to flag that as a, as a wealth of, of relevant resources and information to, to learn more on each of the topics that I just touched on. And the other group that we're hearing from a lot are emerging professionals or those that are looking to advance or expand their careers. So can you share which energy careers you think are going to be critical to support the future of green building? The obvious ones for me that, that come to mind are, of course, sort of careers in energy systems engineering, and that could be at the building scale and or at the community or at the utility scale. So increasing our workforce knowledge of those systems and ways to combine systems to maximize efficiency, I think, are, are, are critical for the future of green building. So always there will be, I think, a wealth of opportunity for emerging professionals studying engineering and um, looking to advance or expand their sustainability career. Similarly, I think there's, and what we're seeing this as in architecture curriculum, Globally, there's now an increased focus on sustainability and efficiency. So, of course, I think architects in leveraging an integrative process as they go through a, perhaps a design, design process for a new project, um, there's, always, there's always an opportunity to, to engage other professionals in the buildings industry to make sure that project plans and designs are you know, reflective of the current site conditions as well as the, the owner's project goals. And um, always an opportunity really for architects, engineers, other designers to help educate their client and show them what's possible um, in terms of sustainability outcomes while also delivering on triple bottom line goals that the, that the owner or the client might have. Other energy careers, I think, again, as renewables make up a, or the energy produced by renewable resources continues to grow as a percentage of total energy production. Um, I think experts in renewable energy development and um, sort of solar uh, or renewable energy investments will become increasingly important. We're also seeing in some of the lead project teams that we work on, you know, some of the larger corporate clients that manage energy consumption across a portfolio, um, we're also seeing that they have in-house 
energy teams that are focused specifically on things like procuring renewable energy for buildings across a portfolio. So I think renewable energy development as well as renewable energy procurement um, and the different financial contracts and mechanisms that are you know, rapidly evolve, evolving and available to teams, that's another uh, definite, definite potential opportunity for energy careers relative to the future of green building. The last thing that I, I think could be relevant here is educators. I think as we learn more about the benefits and best practices for super efficient buildings, there's an opportunity to share this knowledge and reintegrate this into more traditional engineering architecture curriculum like I mentioned earlier. So I think sharing what you've learned with others and you know publishing case studies or white papers, I think, are, is always an important piece of moving the buildings industry forward. So sh information, um, information, knowledge sharing, as well as building up that foundational capacity so that everyone, no matter where you intersect with you know, the field of energy consumption in buildings, has a foundational, at least, perspective and consideration of sustainability and the efforts that, that are, that are on the table here for, for different teams. As we wrap up, I wanted to remind everyone that all of the LEAD 4.1 resources, including educational resources such as case studies, on-demand courses, and live sessions can all be found at usgbc.org. So please visit this page. It is updated with the latest resources that we have available many of which Emma spoke about today, uh, this is the page to bookmark. Thank you, Emma, for joining me and sharing your insights. We know that our community of professionals are addressing the challenges we face to create healthy and high-performing buildings. They are guiding the direction of LEED. By committing to transforming buildings, we can be part of the future of LEED and create environments that improve the quality of life for everyone.